Good to be back after a week at junior high camp in beautiful San Angelo, Texas, where the temperatures were crisp 104 degrees. It was a lot of fun. Uh, I actually want to give the uh, junior high students that went a chance to share with you guys a little bit about what God did in their life this week. So you guys come on up and we'll do this together. We got our camp t-shirts on. We're all camped up. A couple of them weren't able to be here. They needed a vacation after camp. Gustavo, you are welcome, if you're still here, um, to share too. So um, we need the mic. The mic's not up here. Aaron, could you grab that handheld? I know y'all are excited about speaking into the mic. Have y'all decided who's going first? Jacob drew the, drew the short straw. Okay, Jacob. Hi. Um, so when I heard about this missions camp, I was not very excited to drive five hours to work. And then my dad showed me the video, and it was all the rec time and the games. And that did not help because we weren't doing that. <laughs> and once we got there, the worship and sermons were really impactful and just great. And even the working was really fun. So, yeah. Well, my name's Josiah, and uh, I'm going into eighth grade this fall. And at junior high camp, we had a lot of fun, and we played games. And one of my favorite things there was chair tag, and it was playing <laughs> tag but on chairs throughout the whole of the boys' dorm. And then also my other favorite thing was worship because it really spoke to all of us. And there I accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, and so that I believe in him with all my heart, soul, and mind, and that he will forgive me of all my sins. Awesome. Thanks. Okay, so I had a lot of fun this week, and um, I'd really been praying that the Lord would speak to me. And so lately I've been having these dreams of these little kids, like these little orphans. I don't know where they were, but like on these dusty streets, running and playing. And so they had Compassion International there. I think it was Wednesday night when they came. And so I went back there, and I was looking around, and I saw this little girl, one of the pictures of the little girl's name is Chris Bull, and I had been seeing her in my dreams. So I had never seen this girl before, and she was in my dreams, and then I saw her up there. And so that was really special, and I knew, like, God was speaking to me. And so... Um, we are now sponsoring her as our youth group, so that's really exciting. So, yeah. <laughs> you got anything to say? Uh, Y'all are going to get real tired of me saying this, but I'm going to keep saying it, and I'm not going to apologize, but we have the most awesome kids in our church. It's incredible. Spending a week away from work was good enough, but being with these guys made it just spectacular, and what I witnessed in them was nothing less than amazing. Uh, like Ella was saying, we're sponsoring this child for compassion. We're going to be coming to you in the coming weeks, months, years with uh, opportunities for you to help us with sponsoring. Um, one of the things we're going to do is, is babysitting. And uh, so just ask for a small donation to uh, uh, help us with that sponsorship. But once again, this was uh, just a fantastic week with these kids. They're wonderful. They're awesome. And I'm going to try to make them as uncomfortable as I can to be ambassadors for Christ. Mm -hmm. 
Thanks, guys. Appreciate y'all sharing. It was a tremendous blessing to, to be a part of this week with, with these guys. Um, you know, just six of us, but uh, it was uh, six kids, um, students, but um, may as well have been 60 because I felt their presence so strong in the camp. Uh, they are, as Gustavo said, uh, just a, a special group of kids uh, to, to think that they're just in junior high and to think about what God has in store for them in the future is pretty awesome. And uh, the, the level of maturity that they showed coming into camp and being there, but also the ways in which God grew them this week to see some coming uh, for the first time to, to say, I really felt the, the presence of God in my life. I really felt connected to God. I felt his truth and his love. Uh, I was able to worship him in a new way. Uh, I was able to receive him in a new way. Uh, just the, the way that God grew them up this week was pretty, pretty special to, to see and to be a part of. We're actually talking about maturity this week. Uh, we're in the fourth chapter of Ephesians. And uh, just like we saw right before our very eyes, God grow up some students this week at camp. Uh, we uh, want to continue to see how God wants us, wants us to grow up. I don't have the clicker, so Aaron, you're coming this way. Grab yes. <laughs> Grab the clicker for us. Um, fourth chapter of Ephesians. Uh, let's go back and read uh, starting in verse 1 so that we have the context for everything. Uh, so if you've got your little green journal book, uh, you can follow along. If you have an actual Bible, do that as well. But let me ask somebody to read verses 1 through 6. Just stand up where you are and loudly read verses 1 through 6 for us. This is where we were a couple of weeks ago. Okay, so two weeks ago we started kind of a mini-series in the midst of our bigger series of... Uh, Ephesians, um, that was focused in chapter 4 on what a healthy church looks like, uh, what kind of characteristics does a healthy church need to have. And so the first week uh, was chapter 4, verse 1 through 6, and we saw that a healthy church is committed to unity. Okay, then last week we uh, looked at uh, verses 7 through 12, so somebody read that for us. Okay, so last week we looked at a healthy church being a church that is using its gifts. Uh, we've all been gifted in different ways. We have different roles, responsibilities in the body of Christ, and a healthy church is using those roles. We've identified uh, who we are in Jesus as far as how we're wired, what we're supposed to be about, and, and we're exercising. We're finding ways to, to implement those things. And then this week, we're in verses 13 through 16, so somebody will read the, the last uh, three for us. Awesome. So this week we're going to look at a healthy church is uh, growing. And my clicker's not working, Aaron, so we may have to switch back to the other one. Sorry. Or you can just do it if you don't mind. All right. Um, so let's pray, and then we'll get into this. Uh, God, thank you for um, gathering us, for uh, being in our midst, for being the one that we look to for all truth. Um. We ask that you build us up today, 
that by the power of your spirit that you uh, illuminate the words that are on the, the pages of this Bible and, uh, and that you would uh, just take over um, my words and that you would say the things that you want to say to us so that we could grow up into maturity and all the fullness of Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so a healthy church is growing. And I'm going to give you uh, basically four ways that we can and should be growing uh, as a church. So the first one comes from verse 13, and it's uh, that a healthy church is growing in Christ. We've seen that a lot throughout Ephesians, that in Christ comes up over and over again. So you shouldn't be surprised that it's one of the four points today, because uh, it could be just about in any sermon that we've looked at. But he says, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Christ is our goal. Christ is the measure, the fullness of Christ. That's what we're aiming for as we live this Christian life. Uh, nothing less. We are Jesus followers. Therefore, we should be looking more and more like Jesus. Um, any of you remember, like, when, well, let me back up just a little bit. Uh, kids, you, you, you listen too, okay? Um, not that you're not listening, because I know you're diligently writing some things down. But how many of you have a big sister in here? Raise your hand. How many of you have a big sister? Okay, how about a big brother? Big brother. Okay, awesome. Do you, you guys that, that were ever, you know, you had a, a big brother or a big sister, you have one, um, have you ever been called immature by that person that's older than you? Does that, does that fit? Okay. Uh, I don't have a, a big sister, but I feel like I have this voice in my head of one. That, that is calling me immature often. But uh, that's something that's like a, a big insult, right? When, when you're a kid, uh, that, that, that the older ones throw out at the younger ones, like, especially when they get to be teenagers and all of a sudden they're not kids anymore and the kids are acting like kids, like they're supposed to be acting, but now all of a sudden that is just not cool in your house, and so you look down upon them with such disdain for the way that they are acting, for the way that they're talking, and you say, with everything that's in you, you are so immature. <laughs> you just, like, feel it, like the cutting remarks that, um, that are made sometimes. And that's okay, um, because it may be the truth. Uh, and there's nothing wrong with being immature when you're supposed to be immature. Uh, kids are supposed to be kids, and teenagers are supposed to be teenagers, and young adults are supposed to be young adults. But we have to look at uh, where is there a time where we should be mature in certain ways. Now, society helps us to kind of grow up in, in, in certain ways. You go to different grades. You, you are given different tests, you're given different, different knowledge, and you pick up, hopefully, on some social skills along the way. Uh, and, and so you kind of become mature in some way, shape, or form. Uh, I know that, that that can be a struggle for some more than others, but uh, most of us, you know, eventually kind of get there somewhere in our 20s, 
maybe late 20s. I don't know. Um, but uh, but there's, there's not a lot of, like, we're just going to grow up. Like, we're, we're going to get older. There's going to be certain aspects of maturity that just happen. But spiritual maturity doesn't just happen. It's something that uh, we have to effort at. It's something that is, is going to take an active engagement on our part to be able to grow up into the fullness of the likeness of, of Christ. And so that's what we want to look at today. Uh, how can we be growing? Um, we're all basically a little immature sometimes. Uh, and, and I love working with students uh, because there's much more humility as to where they are in, in receiving and, uh, and, and kind of learning things for the first time, seeing God do some things for the first time and receiving that and being honest about it and being able to talk about it in ways that uh, sometimes as adults, we just get a little prideful about where we are, where we think we're supposed to be. And we, we don't talk about it as much and we aren't open as much to uh, just being humble in, in a way that we could say, I've got a long way to go. I've, I've got a lot of growing up still to do. Uh, we want to posture ourselves, uh, maybe because we're parents or maybe because we uh, are in college now or maybe because we're out of college and we're supposed to act a certain way. Uh, maybe because we're much older than everybody else. Um, but we, uh, we, we all struggle in different phases of this with like where we fit in and how we're supposed to act. And we lose sight sometimes of the fact that we're still pretty immature. We still have a lot of growing left to do. We're still not anywhere like Jesus and we should be very humble about the fact that we need more of that. We need to be growing. Um, Mark 10 says that, uh, that we won't even enter the, the, the kingdom of heaven unless we uh, are, are doing so like a child. That we're supposed to have the, the, the nature of a child as we uh, fellowship with God, as we receive from him. There's a quote from Neil Cole um, it says, ultimately, each church will be evaluated by only one thing, its disciples. Your church is only as good as its disciples. It does not matter how good your praise, preaching, programs, or property are. If your disciples are passive, needy, consumeristic, and not moving in the direction of radical obedience, your church is not good. I like the way he says it there just not good. Um, we've got to be becoming and looking more and more like Jesus every day together. That's got to be our goal. If you flip back to the, the first part of chapter four and you see those characteristics, I mean, those, that's a great place to start with humility, gentleness, patience, bearing with one another in love, and eager to maintain the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. Great Jesus-like characteristics for us to be evaluating our lives with and, and trying to discern whether we're actually on the right path. Are we becoming more like him? Uh, because we have to be. Uh, that's our calling. That's our um, destiny as far as why we're, why we're here, why we're uh, saved. John 3.30 um, 
John the Baptist says about, uh, in talking about Jesus, that he must increase, I must decrease. If we could just have that attitude all the time, every day, if we could wake up with that on our lips, in our minds, in our hearts, Jesus would, there'd just be more of you in me today and less of me in me today. That would be a good day. He must increase, I must decrease. All right, so a healthy church is, a, is growing in Christ, and a healthy church is also growing in doctrine. Now, don't let that word scare you. Uh, let's look at what Paul's talking about here uh, in verses 13 and 14. He says, and, and, the, and of the knowledge of the Son of God is, is how we're to be growing, to mature manhood, to the measure of the statue of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children, Tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every kind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Colossians 2.8, uh, Paul said it this way, See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit, according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. Children don't get offended. Um, like I said, you're right where you need to be. Uh, and because Paul is using this example as not a negative on you. But uh, there, are, there is a, a reality that, that children are a little uh, more easily fooled than adults uh, often, a little more gullible. Uh, I had my, my first nephew, who's now in med school and married, I still give him a hard time about this, but... Uh, we were somewhere on a family vacation together, and he was just, you know, uh, a little toddler, probably four or five years old, I don't know. Very literal kid, uh, very, you know, he's, you, you couldn't joke around with him at all. Uh, but he was sitting in front of me, and I started doing my hand like this, and, and he got scared. And I said, oh, you think that's a spider, Skyler? What, what are you scared of my hand for? And he's like, yes. Spider. So I, was, I just kind of kept doing this. I mean, you know, I only have one kid, and I, I haven't had her for that long, and I'm thinking, yeah, this is kind of fun. Uh, I wasn't thinking about it from a parent's perspective a whole lot. So I kind of messed with him a little bit. And, uh, and then uh, he goes screaming to mom, and I get in trouble, of course. Um, but uh, I, I had to, like, convince him, and I still don't know that I did a very good job of it, that, that it was my hand, Scott. This is my hand. It's not a spider. See, it's attached to me. No, as soon as I start doing that, he freaks out again. So some are more gullible than others. Um, we are the same way. Uh, there's, there's false teachers uh, all over the place telling us lies. In Christianity, uh, there, are, there are things that we are being swayed by. Uh, that Paul is, is warning us against here. Um, things like, you know, all religions are the same. I mean, that's just not true. In fact, other religions would be offended by that just as much as we should be. Um, God's goal for our life is not for us to be famous, to, to, to have the most followers on Instagram, uh, to be successful, uh, to be rich. That's, that's not what life is about. Uh, and our feelings don't dictate uh, who God is. Um, we, we need to look to the truth uh, to find out how we're supposed to feel. Um, that's what doctrine is. Doctrine gives us uh, structure and strength for our faith. It's just a set of beliefs. 
And so when we uh, are supposed to be growing in doctrine, we should be becoming more educated. We should be becoming wiser in uh, the knowledge and the wisdom of God. 1 Peter 3.15 tells us that uh, if someone asks you about your hope as a believer, you should be able to give an answer. You should be able to talk to them about that. You shouldn't have to say, uh, let me get you in touch with my pastor or one of our elders um, to answer that question. Adults, you, you know, that have been in church for a while, um, you should be able to talk about your faith easily uh, to anyone. Uh, and teenagers, uh, you should be able to talk to another teenager. I, I get that you may not be able to talk to a seminary professor uh, in the same way about your faith, uh, but you don't have to. You just have to talk to your friends. And so where are you on the, the growth chart uh, with growing in doctrine? The writer of Hebrews said, For though by this time you ought to be teachers, instead you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, since he is a child. But solid food is for the mature. For those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice, to distinguish good from evil. Therefore, let us leave the elementary doctrine of Christ and go on to maturity. You can't just hang out in the, the basics of your faith that, that brought you into relationship with Jesus. Those are great, and we need to have those. But you've got to move on. In fact, moving on means that you should be able to teach others. Any of us adults should be able to, uh, to in some way, uh, stand up and, and teach one another. Now, we're not all supposed to do that all the time. I get it. But if you're called upon, you should be able to if you've been in the faith for any length of time. How do we do that? How are we supposed to do that? Well, the, the, the first thing I have here is, is brilliant, so I hope that you're prepared for it. Um, I went to seminary for this, so this is a, a big moment here and a, a big word. Um, but just two, two things, very simple. Um, come to church and read your Bible. <laughs> I know that's profound and uh, earth-shattering to you that a pastor would say that, but it's true. Uh, it's just that simple. If, if we'll just like, be involved in what we're doing, um, and, and we'll read our Bible, then we will be growing. Uh, not everybody that calls on the name of the Lord uh, does those things on a regular enough basis uh, in the church. Uh, and so if you're doing that, and most of you are, then you're way ahead of the curve, and that's great. Uh, but we can't let, because the bar is so low in our Christian culture today, we can't let that be something that satisfies us. Uh, but it is the you know, place that we need to start as we're a part of this community together. We're doing things. Uh, you're hearing sermons from the scripture that we're hopefully gaining some uh, knowledge and understanding of the Lord from. Uh, we are doing things like our discipleship seminars for adults at 345. 
And you could be coming to those and uh, growing in your faith in various ways. So in, in the future, as you hear about those, I encourage you to sign up. That's what these are for. Uh, we can't tackle everything, every uh, question, every issue in this time, and, and we want to get some specific kind of study going. Uh, so uh, do that. Uh, be a part of that. Read and study your Bible. Have a good plan to, to just be reading your Bible. Like, a, that's so... Uh, obvious uh, as, as believers, but it's something that we neglect way too much. And maybe it's because we, we get, once we get excited about it, we take on too much. We're going to like read the whole Bible in a week or something, and we get on one of these aggressive plans, and you just get burned out because you're just jumping all over the place, and it's not making sense to you. Slow down. Uh, just, just have a good plan for being in the, the, the Bible every day. Use the Bible Project. Uh, if you haven't seen this, go online, look at it. Uh, you can watch videos. You can uh, have audio for it. It's going to give you some enlightenment on what you're reading, uh, some backstory on what this book of the Bible is all about. It's going to help you make sense uh, of how the Bible comes together. It's got overview stuff. All that kind of stuff is available to you. You have at your disposal so much resource today because of the internet. I mean, you can get access to every kind of theological discourse and sermon and podcast and uh, books uh, that would, would really make you like far, far smarter than the, uh, the smartest, you know, theologian uh, just a hundred years ago. Uh, and so take advantage of that. Like, it's all right there for us. We need to be studying the Scripture. Uh, read other books. Uh, I, I know some of you read, but I'm, I'm talking about reading books that are not just for entertainment, but, but books that are going to help you to grow. Uh, look for specific things. Uh, talk to people that have read uh, different books and and benefited from them, and get, get a copy, borrow it from them, uh, get an audio book, listen to it in your car. There's so much out there that's good stuff. I'm going to put a few just in the, in the newsletter this week, just uh, some recommended reading type stuff just to get you started if you don't know where to start. But uh, many of you are reading, and so share that with other people. Say, I really think you'd benefit from this, and, and hand them a copy of it. Be encouraging each other to, to grow in that way. And challenge yourself a little bit. I, I realize that some of you don't like to read at all or don't like to uh, get into that kind of stuff at all, but you need to be. And, and if you'll challenge yourself to just do a little bit, and, and even I think some of you, um, including myself, uh, it's a good idea to challenge ourselves to be uh, to reading a little bit above our pay grade. Like, uh, if we have to look up some words uh, in that book, that's okay. That's going to be growing us. That's going to be challenging us. So uh, don't be scared of certain books. Uh, try, try some new things, and, and let's be growing in that way. Uh, spend time with uh, talking to other people, other believers. Uh, 
certainly we do this in calm group. Uh, don't let it be just a Sunday and a Wednesday exercise. Be diligent. Be uh, really intentional about getting together for spiritual conversation. I know it's great to hang out with one another, but bring up the Lord in your conversation. You already have this you know, understanding that, that we're committed to the same things, uh, that we want the same things, and so it should be very easy. And if we miss the opportunity to do that, it's, it's just really sad that we're not taking advantage of it with one another. We have the opportunity to help one another grow so much. Iron sharpens iron. Challenge one another. Talk to each other about what's going on in your life. All right. Um, let's move on to the next one, which is growing in relationships. So, as we grow in Christ, as we grow in doctrine, we spend time with each other, we grow in relationships as well. Um, this is verse 15, where he says, rather speaking the truth in love. We have to be growing deeper in relationship with each other. Thomas Merton says, we make ourselves real by telling the truth. What this uh, phrase actually says in the, the Greek is, uh, it's not really uh, an English, it doesn't translate well. What it would translate to uh, if, we, if we took it more literally, would be truthing in love. So it's a verb. Uh, we, we are speaking the truth in love. We're truthing in love with one another. Uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer said this about our relationships. Nothing can be more cruel than the leniency which abandons others to their sin. Nothing can be more compassionate than the severe reprimand which calls another Christian in one's community back from the path of sin. It's in a great book called Life Together, if you want to try that one out. Um, it's all about community. Truthing in love, are we doing that? Am I truthing? Am I a truthing person or am I a loving person? Uh, both have to be there, but we tend to gravitate toward one or the other. Some of you are just really good at truthing. You got no problem speaking the truth. It's the in love part that is not always there. Uh, and then others uh, of us uh, are, are all about the love, so much so that we're not really going to ever say anything to hurt anybody's feelings. 1 Corinthians 13.6 says, love rejoices with the truth. They are connected If your God and my God is not at least sometimes offending us or confronting us, then we have probably invented him. If my God is not at least sometimes confronting me or offending me, then I have probably invented him. I've probably made him who I want him to be. And I'll take that a step further and I'll say, if we're doing this right, that your brother and sister in the Lord will probably offend you, confront you on some things if they're coming from the right place. I, as a preacher or anybody that stands up here, might sometimes offend or confront your sin. 
that might happen in calm group. And the answer, what we're supposed to do with that is not to just be so quick to, to try to defend ourselves. But uh, I think we need to first look for the love in what people are saying. Because if, if the truth hurts, you know, sometimes and it just gets to us, uh, then we can miss the fact that, wait a second, it took a lot for this person to come to me to begin with. And the way they did it was actually very loving. And so let me appreciate that before I just get all bent out of shape about it. And then secondly, if you can't, even, still can't see that, still can't get to that, and maybe it wasn't there, it doesn't matter. Look for the truth anyway in it. Because it may still be there in spite of the fact that it wasn't done the way you think it should have been done. And don't hang out in that. Don't make that the new issue, that because it wasn't done the right way. Uh, look at what truth God may have for you in it. That's how we should receive it. Now, in relationship, if we need to talk about those things, yes, secondarily. But let's see what, what God wants to say to us, what God wants to speak to us. Um, if we're not confronting each other in our sin, we're not helping each other grow, then we're either scared to do it or we're just lazy. It's one of the two. Why aren't we doing it? If, what other reason would there be? Like we ha we're, we're here for each other. We can do this together. And but for the most part, uh, you guys are wired to, to do that. You've committed your, yourselves to do that, and you do it well. But sometimes we just get lax in it, and we, we've got to make that commitment. The, the command to love our neighbors in Leviticus 19 is actually preceded by the command to rebuke your neighbor frankly so you will not share in his guilt. All right, so a healthy church is in growing in Christ, growing in doctrine, growing in relationships, and finally growing in service. Preached about this last week. We are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint from which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. You're a necessary body part. God has saved you into his body. It's Paul's favorite metaphor for the church. Find your ministry. I won't talk any more about this. You can go back to, to last week's sermon if you missed it and, uh, and find out more about that. So those are the four things we need to be growing in as a church. Notice I didn't mention anything about numbers. Um, I think that that is just a byproduct. If it's supposed to happen, it's going to happen. I think a healthy church will have growth uh, numerically, but too often churches set out to just grow numerically, and they neglect those things in the process because those aren't uh, always the best marketing tools to get there. But um, I pray that we do grow uh, in numbers as well. All right, so... Uh, as we close, I just want to say a couple of things. Um, I, I would really love when people think about, when people talk about community church, that they would be able to say that those are people who are really serious about the truth of the gospel. I, I hope that when they encounter us, when they uh, come into contact with anything that we're saying or doing, that they would be able to pick up on the fact that, that those people are really serious 
about the gospel, about the truth of the gospel. But I hope that they will also be able to say that those people really enjoy and love each other. And they really love their neighbor well. I hope that both of those things can be said about us. We're going to take communion together. So if you're a server, you can go ahead and grab that and come on up. And we just come to, uh, to Jesus once again, and we receive, and uh, we ask that he grow us into uh, the likeness of Jesus in everything that we do. Let's pray. God, thank you for your truth, for your word. May it um, change us in the days and weeks and months and years ahead as we look to you uh, to be the source of our life the source of our growth, and may it all be for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.